The decision to stay married after sexual betrayal is a very difficult one to navigate. We understand this because the effects of infidelity shook each of us to our core. Obviously, we are still married, but we didn't make this decision on our own. We had a lot of help along the way, and we will be sharing how we made this decision and the resources we found helpful. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage, or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello and welcome back. Before we get into today's topic, I want to share with you one of the reviews that came in that we're so excited about. This comes from 5673 Euro, titled Inspiring. It's hard to listen to at times, yet so compelling I must. It's inspiring to hear honest confession and humble hearts. More and more people struggle with what Johnny and Emily have struggled with, and this podcast tells us that we are not alone and that there is hope. Thank you. Thank you so much for that wonderful review, 5673 Euro. We are so glad to know that what we're sharing on our show is meaningful to others. And just a reminder that leaving us a five-star review helps us reach more people around the world with that message that you are not alone and there is hope. So today we're going to be talking about how we made the decision to stay married. But first we want to take a few minutes and talk about the effects of infidelity on each of us and how those effects played into our decision to stay married. So, Johnny, what were the top three effects of infidelity on you? Great question, Emily. So, my response comes in three parts. One, I betrayed myself. Two, it made me insane. Three, it skewed my reality. The first one, I betrayed myself. What I lost in that was my integrity. Integrity is who you are when nobody is looking. Well, then I'm a porn addict and I'm an adulterer because that's what I was doing when nobody was looking. That was not what I started out to be in my life. Those were not my moral values that I was displaying on the outside. I was trying to live a good life, such a good life to counteract the effects of what I was doing in my secret life but now my integrity is just gone. As a result of lost integrity, I'm no longer trustworthy. 
people really couldn't trust what I was going to do next. How do you trust somebody that's living a double life? And the next thing that it took was my identity. This is not who I am. All of a sudden, I'm living two lives. Well, let me back up. I wasn't all of a sudden. I grew up living two lives. I was always trying to please somebody else by trying to be more like them from my childhood, people I admired. So I changed who I was so that I could become more like them and be accepted. And through all of my growing up years, my personal identity was lost. I'll explain it in this one way is that after I had been in recovery for a couple of years, I went out on a motorcycle ride with a good friend of mine and we visited with some friends. And when I was getting ready to leave at the end of the evening, he said he wanted to send me some links for some music that he liked. And he asked me, what kind of music do I like? And I had to stop and think. And I said, I don't know. I was always concerned with what other people liked and I framed my own thoughts around what other people thought. So I learned to like music that other people liked without really even knowing what I like. So I've lost my integrity and I've lost my identity. I'm no longer trustworthy. Um, and all that time, I had no clue what was going on inside of you. As far as I knew, you were a man of integrity you were trustworthy. I trusted you implicitly with everything. I didn't know you as a liar. I thought you were being true to yourself. You were an amazing human being and I was so proud of you and I was so in love with you. I admired you so much. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Um, so your second one? The second one is that it made me insane. There's a definition out there that is attributed to Albert Einstein that says, being insane is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, this is at the heart of what it is to be an addict. We all find ourselves in this place where we're getting ready to do our thing, whether it is acting out in sexuality or is it acting out with a drug or with drinking or with gambling or with eating. Whatever it is we're going to do, we believe that somehow it's going to be different this time. It's going to relieve a pressure. I won't need it anymore. Maybe we'll even decide to binge so much that we're thinking it'll leave a mark on us and we'll never want to do it again. But it doesn't happen that way because the next thing that happens after the acting out is shame and guilt over what you've just done sets in almost immediately. And now with the shame cycle, you're now preoccupied with what you've done and the cycle happens all over again and you're going to find yourself at that place saying this time it will be different. And at this point, I didn't even realize that I was a sex addict. And the third effect of infidelity on me was that it skewed my reality. It made me jealous, paranoid, and selfish. I was very jealous of where you were, who you were talking to, uh, what you were doing, who you were doing it with, right? I wasn't so worried about what you were doing because I did trust you. I just didn't trust who was around you, especially the men. I was seeing who I was and projecting that onto everybody else. 
I was paranoid of that, and it made me crazy jealous. Uh, never really kind of the jealous where I was making accusations towards you. It just played more in my mind. It played in my mind to the point where I wasn't good enough. If you did cheat on me, I deserve it anyways. You deserve better than me. You know, all of these things were, were playing during that time. And the last thing was that I became uh, extremely selfish. I was so focused on me, trying to protect me, trying to protect all the lies that I told. The thing about lies is that you got to keep track of them. When you tell a lie, you have to be able to back that up when somebody challenges you. So you usually have to tell another lie to cover that lie. And as soon as you, you know, they've got this web of lies is what they call it. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. <laughs> right. Really, it gets quite tangled and it starts messing with your mind and you can't keep it all straight and your mind starts going crazy. My reality is so messed up at this point that I can't think straight anymore. I can't act straight. And how I was actually able to live a normal life outwardly is really quite amazing to me still as I look back that that was even possible. So that was my top three. Emily, what are your top three? Okay, well, my top three effects of infidelity are number one, insecurity and loss of confidence. I kind of lumped those together because, you know, like I said before, I had no idea those things were going on in your head and that you were acting out in a double life. And so when I found all these things out, it made me very insecure. It made me feel like I wasn't enough. And if I wasn't enough for you, was I enough for anyone who was I? I mean, it was just a really devastating blow to my my confidence. In fact, I remember that after what we call Disclosure Day, I had no more confidence to follow the path that I was at that time following. I had just graduated from a class that was going to catapult my current business into more of a ministry-type focus. And so that kind of just went all away. I... I <laughs> I had no confidence or desire to continue that path. And, and my current business, I kind of let go for quite a long time. And watching you go through that, Emily, was personally very difficult because it was your self-confidence that initially drew me to you back when we met. Right. And so the second thing that it did was it shattered my reality. In order to explain that, I'm just going to read a little section out of a book called The Aftermath of Betrayal by Michelle D. Mays. This is a tiny little book that was the first thing that I read after Disclosure Day that was so very helpful to me. She understood what I was going through. I didn't have the words to describe what I was going through, but she has those words in her book, and it was such a comfort to me and such a relief to know that I wasn't alone. So reading from chapter one called Reality Fragmentation. She says, discovering your partner's secret sexual behavior is one of the most shocking experiences of betrayal you can have. Whether it is an affair or a long-term pattern of sexual acting out, the sheer devastation of finding out your partner is not who you thought he or she was, and your relationship is not what you thought it was, can suck the emotional wind out of you. When you combine the discovery of your partner's sexual behaviors with the experience of being lied to and manipulated, the trauma compounds and becomes even more severe. Initially, many partners can't believe that what they're seeing or hearing is real. They think, how can this be happening? 
Has the person I loved, lived with, and built a life alongside really been lying to me this way? Has my partner truly betrayed me in such a heartrending and shocking manner? The first experience most betrayed partners have is disbelief. They struggle to wrap their mind around the betrayal and to comprehend what has happened. They experience a profound sense of disorientation as they are forced to integrate information that completely alters their understanding of reality. These were exactly the things I was feeling but just couldn't put into my own words. Now the third thing that the effects of betrayal had on me was broken trust, of course. Johnny, you had been lying to me really almost our whole married life. And finding that out was so devastating to me. Trust is imperative in a marriage. And when that trust is broken, it's really hard to get it back. That effect has lasting effects. Emily, when I lost your trust, I really think now that that was the bottom for me. And like you said earlier, when that trust is lost, it is really difficult to move forward and to put the pieces back together. And that now leads us into our decision to stay married. Emily, we each had to make our own decisions. There were factors going on inside of us that led us to ultimately make that decision that we were going to stay married. So we'll start with you this time, Emily. What were your main factors in choosing to stay married to me? Okay, well, number one was my faith in God and my marriage covenant. You know, when we first got married, I thought we both took those covenants really seriously. I know I did. And we both talked about divorce not being an option in our marriage. And we do know that God created marriage and that He hates divorce. We read that in the scriptures. But we also know now, as we're older and wiser, <laughs> that God loves marriage, but He cares more about the individuals inside the marriage. That wasn't something that we knew at that time, but we really wanted to stay married. We wanted to grow old together and not ever talk about divorce, um, not mention it even as the D word, because we knew if we had that in our vocabulary that we could open the door to those kinds of thoughts. And back then we knew that we could get through anything that was hard. And since we knew that, and I didn't get married to be miserable, I don't know about you, <laughs> I wanted to work through any of our issues as quickly as possible and move on. And we did those things. I feel like we came out stronger for it. You know, on the other side, we were stronger for going through those hard things. I think there was only three times in our whole 31 up to that point years of marriage that we had sought outside help because we were at an impasse. And yes, we did need that impartial third party to help us get through those times. The second factor is huge. It's your repentance, Johnny. If you hadn't repented and started the recovery process, I really ultimately don't think I would have stayed married to you. I can imagine that I would have tried for a very long time to maybe try to fix you <laughs> or wait on the Lord to fix you, maybe a combination of that. I would have loathed the thought of divorcing you and what that would mean for how it would change my life and the lives of our children and our grandchildren and how we would navigate that as a divorced couple. But you did repent. Thank God. You were sincere in your repentance. You were completely broken. You completely surrendered. You completely 
turned from your sin and turned towards God. And that was a crucial component to helping me make that decision to stay married to you. It didn't happen right away, though. When you made your first confession to me about staying in a hotel room with another woman, and you told me that there was no sexual intercourse that had happened that night, it was technically true. Even though it wasn't quite as innocent as you had led me to believe, that came out later. And I was also too naive to ask you if you had ever been with her before. (laughs) I was able to forgive you fairly quickly. And as the details started rolling out and the questions I was asking you were not coming out making sense and I was catching you in lies, that got a little bit more difficult. During that time, that time period between when you confessed and when we sat down with our pastor and you told me the whole story, that little two-week period, our pastor asked me three different times if I wanted to divorce you. And three different times I told him no. He said, I had every right to divorce you because it was adultery. But I said, no, I don't want to divorce him. And on the third time, I actually said, please don't ask me that again. (laughs) But then on disclosure day, when the whole terrible story came to light and you confessed everything that had been going on, still, I didn't have an immediate thought that I wanted out of this marriage. That would come later when we would go through some of our long, hard discussions, and things were revealed. The things that were the most painful, actually, were when I realized that you had lied to me about something else you had already confessed. Those were very hard for me. There was one time in particular that I remember you told me what you had done. It was different than what you had told me the first time I had asked you that question, and it was so much more than I could have ever imagined, and I was devastated by the information that I took my ring, my wedding ring, off of my finger and I threw it across the room. And I did not want to wear that ring. I did not want to be with you. I didn't know if that meant not be married, but I just, I was so angry. I was so hurt and angry about what you had been doing behind my back that I just took that ring and threw it. And I didn't even care where it went. You're the one that went and found it. But I didn't wear that ring ever again. We got a new ring when we recommitted our vows to each other a couple of years later. But that was a very pivotal time for me, realizing that I don't know if I actually can stay married to this man who keeps lying to me. But that brings me to my third reason for deciding to stay married to you was my love for you and our history together. I mean, we grew up together. We met as kids, right? (laughs) We were teenagers and we have such a history. And we had a great marriage, regardless of what was going on in the background. We did have a really good marriage, but we didn't have the intimacy that we have now because that marriage was broken. Whether I saw it or not, it was broken. But I never wanted to envision myself as a single person again, as a divorcee, striking out on my own to do my own things without you. I married you because I loved you and dedicated my life to you, I didn't want that to end. I knew that God, in His ultimate power and mercy, could redeem us and fix this for us. I knew deep, deep down that that was true. I just didn't feel that way on the surface a lot of times. But my love for you and my love for our life together was my third reason. Okay, Johnny, it's your turn. What are your three main reasons for wanting to stay married to me? 
Okay, so the very first thing for me was that I wanted to make it right. I knew that I had broken our marriage. And it was very prevalent right now because of the disclosure and seeing the pain on your face. So the first thing that I want to do is that I want to fix it and I want to make it right. I'm still not acting in my right mind. I'm still trying to get out of trouble with you by doing all the right things. I get us into counseling. I go find Sex Addicts Anonymous for me. Those are all still about me. While I'm saying I want to fix it, I want to fix our marriage. And I wanted to go back and address what you talked about for covenant. I didn't fully understand covenant for myself until I saw how broken you were. I want to take just a moment here and tell everybody a statement that I learned about covenant a few years back. Covenant says, I will always be to you as I said I would be, even if you are not to me as you said you would be. And that is such a great definition. God uses covenant in our lives. The covenant we live under is the covenant with Jesus Christ. And he is promising that he will always be who he says he is, even when we're not who we say we are to him. He's going to love us anyway. And Emily is now laying this on display for me. The second one was our love for each other. You just mentioned that too, we, that we have so much history, that we grew up together. We raised children together. We went through military service together. You, you held our home together. You had to stay many nights at home alone and be that one who supported me and kept the home fires burning, so to speak, so that I could have a home to come home to. It was my job to be worthy of all of that when I came home. And during my military years, for the most part I was. I failed at the end. But it was our love through all those years. We did hard things together. We went to marriage conferences so that we could learn about our blind spots in marriage. We went through a long cassette tape series. That's how far we go back in our marriage. We, we went back to a cassette tape series by Gary Smalley on hidden keys to loving relationships that taught us so many things that helped us get through it. Like, who is our light source that we're plugged into as he's holding a lamp with a plug on the end? Are we plugging into our spouse or are we plugging into God? And the answer, of course, is we have to be plugged into God so that when that light shines, that we can shine that light on our spouse. And we did all of these things on purpose so that we could have a good marriage. And ultimately, I believe that this is what helped to save us to this point with those patterns and those hard things that we did in the beginning and through all the years of our marriage. And the last thing I wanted to share was that somehow I knew that I was ready to be done with this, done with my addiction, done with all of my acting out, done with my secret life. The one thing I wanted to share was this presence. It wasn't until this presence was gone in my life. But once this presence was gone, the picture became so clear and this picture was of a black bony hand wrapped around my heart. 
And I knew at that point that that black bony hand has been wrapped around my heart for almost my entire life, gripping it, holding it, and squeezing it. But when I stopped and I repented, when I saw you for the very first time instead of seeing me first, when I started seeing recovery, when I started going to recovery, that that black hand let go and was gone. And it wasn't until it was gone that I even realized that it was there. I grew up with it. It was always a part of me. And now my heart is free. And with that freedom came hope that I could be different. I didn't have to be that man any longer. I didn't have to be a person that has to be pleasing to other people so that they'll like me. So knowing that I was ready to be free from all of this, I was ready to be the husband that you needed me to be, that you deserved for me to be from the time that we got married. Okay, so those were the factors or thought processes that led us to make the decision to stay married. But there were also some practical steps that we needed to take. Yes, we definitely had to take some action. The Bible says in Proverbs 15:22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And that was one of the things that we did at the very beginning by letting our pastor in on our struggles, first of all, and then going to see a marriage counselor very quickly. And let me just pause and say that there are really good counselors and some that are not as equipped to handle some situations, especially when it involves sexual betrayal. If you're in a position where you're seeking counsel and you're not getting the help you need, please don't hesitate to find someone else. I know it's hard to rehash your story again and again, but it is so important to find the right fit. People in marriages can be harmed by the wrong counselor. So we did find an excellent counselor and went through a mini intensive with him. We were scheduled for a five-day group marriage intensive to follow, but there were some delays on their end and we didn't get to attend for another couple of months. So during that time, we hadn't yet told our family what we were going through. We had decided to wait until after that marriage intensive to make two decisions. The first one, our decision to even stay married or to divorce. And decision two, tell our children and others what had happened and what we had decided to do about it. We did make the decision to stay married by the end of that five-day intensive, and we'll dive further into that story in a future episode. But we are so grateful that the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ gave us the time, space, and tools to walk this out, sometimes stumbling and sometimes digging in our heels, but ultimately finding the joy of surrender and the reward of a marriage that is more fulfilling than we could have ever imagined before. If you feel that you are currently in crisis, please seek help immediately. Don't wait. We have some resources listed in the show notes as a starting place for getting help for your marriage. Thank you for listening today. Please join us on our next show as we spend a little time talking about setting boundaries. And please, be gentle with yourself this week. You're doing a really hard thing. So until next time, Marriage is Redeemed, Hearts Renewed, on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people 
is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer in our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.